How about if I just start at the beginning? <laughs> you can you can be honest. Because <laughs> you know what? They have the sweat equity that went into that memory that they're making with their friends and family. And that's what's important with us, and that's what the I Am Real World's about. Well, that's a great question. You know, one of the best things about a spring food plot is you get a second chance if it fails. Chasing Giants with Don Higgins. Brought to you by buyafarm.com, your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. By tapping into Don's years of experience, dedication, and commitment, Chasing Giants focuses on the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Now, here is Don and co-host Terry Peer. Well, welcome everyone to Chasing Giants with Don Higgins, brought to you by Biofarm.com. This is episode 42. Um, I'm Terry Peer. It's December 13th, and Don's on the line. How you doing tonight, Don? I'm great, Terry. How are you? I'm doing really good. Um, it's it's seems surreal that we're at episode 42. We're a little bit um, over a year into this venture that you and I started. Um, this idea was yours and you came to me, um, um, I guess the summer of 19 and we started working on this idea. And for those uh, who don't follow my social media post, um, we're actually trending in the top 20 consistently now with all, uh, podcasts that are in our category on, uh, Apple podcasts. That's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And especially when you look at that list and you see, uh, who we've surpassed and I mean some some people that I really respect and look up to and podcasts I've been on podcasts I listen to and uh you know somehow we've we're shooting our way towards the top we're not number one by any means yet but uh well I haven't even in the right direction I kind of only texted you I don't know did I, I can't remember if I called you or texted you when I found this out but um the category that we're trending in um, for everybody listening to understand Apple podcast is the only one that we can see that type of trending data from. And that, that makes up about 65% of our listeners um, because the Higgins out or chasing giants with Higgins outdoors, YouTube channel. A lot of people are listening there and that data doesn't come into play with this, but the category that we're in is called wilderness. So all the hunting stuff, the survivalist, I think there's even a podcast about Bigfoot in the top 20 also. So inside of that category, uh, for basically the month of November, we've been in the top 20 and we've peaked out as high as 10, which is awesome. But the thing I didn't tell you, Don, is when you back out from that subcategory into all of sports, so everything basketball baseball golf all of the podcasts that are out there we're right around 100 which is which is crazy that's that's phenomenal and it's just a tribute and sincere thanks to all of our listeners that are out there you guys have been awesome and really uh taking us um as part of your sunday night and monday morning uh kind of commute so we really appreciate you listening and supporting us yeah we sure do so thanks everyone and you know i'm I knew he was gaining some traction, Terry, just by the the number of messages that we get and the number of submitted questions to the podcast. Right. 
Uh, it's really increased well, I'm here glad, in the last I'm, month or two. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because something's really bothered me over the last week. And I want our listeners to know that I read every review that people leave, uh, good or bad. Um, I, I read every message that comes in. And uh, Don and I both go back and listen to the podcast after we publish it. We want to try to get better, too. And, you know, we're, neither one of us have had any training in this. We just come on and talk from the heart and, you know, about what's going on. So we're trying to get better also. But one of the things that really bothered me after the last episode is um, we were talking about how we can't keep up with messages and, in you know, saying that, you know, a lot of people want to have longer dialogues with us, and that's really hard. Um, by no means do I want to come across as we don't want people to contact us. Um, our listeners and that engagement and that dialogue back and forth is what makes this podcast so special, especially with these questions that, that listeners submit. And the last thing I wanted to do in the last episode is come across like we don't want you to send messages. I actually had two messages come in this week that the first sentence started was, I know you don't want people to send you messages. And, and I apologize from that, um, for that. That's definitely not what I meant. We were just trying to apologize if it took longer to get back with you. Or sometimes we, we were short because, you know, we might have five or six to ten of these conversations going on literally at the same time. So I just I felt really bad after, after going back and listening to that podcast. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I haven't even been on Facebook to check my messages for like three or four days. So I know I've got a bunch of messages waiting for me there. And uh, a lot of times, well, here recently, a lot of the messages I respond to, it's very brief answers. And, folks, I'm not trying to be rude. I promise I, I appreciate your support more than you know. But when, when you're getting 200 to 250 a day and you you want to respond to everybody, I, I don't any want anyone to ever think that I think I'm better than them because I certainly don't. And uh, I appreciate the messages and want to answer them all. Uh, it's just getting about to the limit of what I can handle. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try when we get done recording this podcast. I plan to go get on Facebook and, and hopefully be able to get caught up tonight. Well, so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give our listeners a little bit of insight too that you're going to chuckle at. And, um, <laughs> Don, when I first met Don, was not, uh, let's just say, the most technologically advanced person in the world. <laughs> Still are. Still not. So, so everybody's got to realize, too, that Don is in uh, consulting season. So, you know, when it's, when it's hunting season, you know, there's middle of the day that he can get out his phone and he doesn't type real fast with his thumbs, but I will say you are getting a whole lot better at your texting and, and phone <laughs> typing speed. But um, when you're when you're driving to Kansas, driving, I know you were in Kentucky last week, um, earlier, excuse me, earlier this week, and when you're on the road that much, um, it's and you have very limited time, especially until you get to the hotel. That's part of the reason and what we're talking about. So please, please, from the bottom of Don's heart and my heart, don't think that we don't want those messages or we don't want that positive feedback or negative feedback, whatever you want to send. We read it all. We listen to it. And um, I've talked to a few people that have really big YouTube channels and, and on social media, and they say that's the hardest part 
of once you get to a certain size is is you just you, you can't have that interaction and answer to everything and i hope we don't get to that point but um we do appreciate the feedback the the podcast is just i mean it's it's going crazy um you know your your mail video is i think pushing over 350,000 views um it's just it's really taken off and we really appreciate that yeah and you know another um i guess uh way that we know that that we're gaining in popularity is the sponsorship opportunities <laughs> that have been presented to us and yep and uh just i mean companies that we have no relationship with whatsoever never even started. knew they existed some well some of them we do yeah but but uh they're they're reaching out wanting to be part of it and sponsoring us we've been asked for media kits and uh plans for for next year and uh, um we're we're just handling that a little bit differently aren't we well yeah we're we're never going to promote a product that we don't believe in it you know if if we've never used it we're not going to just take someone as a sponsor some company as a sponsor just because they're you know, they're offering us money or whatever. Um, we've got integrity. We want to be different than any other podcast, any other YouTube channel, any other person or people in the hunting industry. Um, you know, our integrity is important with us or to us. Um, our opinions may be different than yours, but that doesn't mean we don't respect your opinion and your right to have a different opinion. And, uh, so if you see us being sponsored by a particular company or product, you can rest assured it's, it's a product that we believe in. Yeah, and we would we would be buying it whether we were sponsored by them or not. Um, but um, I see a different side of that with the real world side because I see how many people just jump around and you know people that what I would call the medium tier guys you know the guys who have really good shows or really good platforms one year they're shooting this bow then this bow and then this bow and it's just a constant rotation and you can't tell me that that part of that isn't just going to the next highest bidder and it's just it's I understand when you're trying to run it as a business that you have to make business decisions but this podcast is not about running a business. This podcast is trying to help people get to the, meet their goals and objectives in, in the, uh, in the deer woods. And you, you made a comment and I don't even know that you, I think it was in an email that you sent to, uh, to me and maybe Steve, um, earlier this week and I'll let you say it, but I don't even think that you put that much thought into it. It's just your natural belief about what we're really about that that we we want to represent the hunting community not the hunting industry. Yeah, we're here to serve the hunting community, not the hunting industry. So mm-hmm. obviously if if it's a if it's a company we believe in, uh we'll partner with them and help bring that advantage or that uh that product and knowledge to our listeners. But for the sake of just um having a relationship, it's it's not what we're about. So Yep, for sure. So uh, you you kind of speaking of that a little bit, you kind of ruffled some feathers and got some <laughs> good dialogue going on uh, social media today. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> one of our one of our listeners uh, sent me a photo of he had a handful of the expandable broadheads or mechanical broadheads, whichever you want to call them, 
And uh, his uh, comment was that that went with the photo he sent was throwing them in the, the trash. Thanks for the advice. And uh, I asked him if <laughs> if I could share that photo, and he said I could, so I did. And boy, people got fired up. <laughs> it was pretty funny, really. But you know, one thing that that I want to clear up is is why 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 would I do that? Why would I go out on a limb and make such a post? And there's two reasons, really. One, like Terry just said, we are here to help people. And uh, you know, I think with forty plus years, probably pushing 45 years of bow hunting experience. Um, I think I've learned some lessons the hard way that I would like to save the rest of you. Um, I've never shot mechanical or expandable broadheads and never will. I I think there's a chance that does not need to be taken. Um, They just, uh, I don't want to see you lose the buck of your life because you shot him, shot him with a mechanical head and couldn't find him or, or just wounded him and didn't even kill him. So, you know, from an aspect of, of trying to help you, the listener, um, from losing that buck of your dreams, um, I've never heard anyone shoot a deer with a regular broadhead, if you will, and say, I wish I'd been shooting a mechanical. But you, you swap that around, vice versa. I've heard a lot of people who have shot a, a buck, and, and many times it's the buck of their lifetime, or at least that's how it's described. And with a mechanical broadhead, and and lose that deer, and say, "I'll never shoot them things again." I wish I was using a regular broadhead. Um, it just never goes the other way. So I, I don't want to see people lose deer. The second thing is they they wound more deer than a regular broadhead. And I, I don't care, maybe your opinion's different than mine, but I believe that to be the case. I think we owe the animals we hunt uh, the utmost respect. Um, sure, we're going to shoot them, we're going to kill them, we're going to take their life, but we need to do it as quickly and as humanely as possible. And I don't think, in my opinion, an expandable broadhead is the way to do that. Now, with that said, I do not look down on people who shoot expandable broadheads in fact in the last 30 days i have had multiple people on my farm sitting with me in the same blind or in tree stands in the same tree that used them and i never said a word to those people i never looked down on them i never spoke down on them i respected them so i can respect your opinion if it differs in mine and but you know, my opinion was developed over a long period of time, and I'm trying to save you from losing the buck of your dreams. So you, if, if people go back and listen to episodes, they'll remember that you tried to, I don't want to say you danced this, but you didn't give your opinion as firm as I knew you believed, and I challenged you on that. <laughs> and the next episode, yeah. you come out and laid it out. And, you know... um, I've even been questioned because people people who know me know that I did shoot mechanicals out of a crossbow. Um, I don't I don't even remember when the last time if I ever hunted with a mechanical out of a compound. I mean, it's been so long. If if I would have mm-hmm. done it, I mean, we're talking 15, 16, 17 years ago. But um, I'm the one that challenged you on it, and we even have a difference in opinion of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and if people think that, um, you know, we, we, you and I don't even agree on, on everything and, well, and you've never, and you've never even once, uh, you've stated your opinion to me, but you've never once, um, shown me, you know, a disrespect or anything like that because of what, uh, my opinion on this or maybe feeders or anything else that we differ on opinions of. Um, I'm definitely not considered the yes man um, in our relationship if people do how much uh, we disagreed on different things that we talk about every week they'd laugh well I, actually the whole reason that I asked you Terry to be the co-host on this podcast was because you was the one friend that would hold my, my feet to the fire and you, you wouldn't be just a bobblehead you know shaking your head up and down every time I said something if you had a difference of opinion, you was going to bring it, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want this, you know, it's Don's way or no way. I, I wanted various opinions to be heard, and I want to be challenged. If your opinion is different than mine, throw it out there. Let's debate it. Um, well, that, that's, a, that's even a good point. That's a good point because because I guess I wouldn't say I'm on the fence, but I'm not as – there's certain situations where I don't have a, I don't personally use them anymore, but there's certain situations where I don't have a problem if somebody uses one. So I'm kind of, I got a, a foot kind of in each side. So here's, here's the deal. This is, this is an idea. And you even, I think you challenged somebody and I didn't read all the comments on your social media this afternoon. I was busy, but you actually challenged a guy to debate you. If our listeners want to hear this kind of true debate, how about we run a poll on your Higgins Outdoors Instagram page this week, and uh, we'll try to do it like on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll have to look at your analytics of when you have the most engagement. But in the story of Don's uh, Instagram, I'm going to post a picture. Maybe we'll even use the picture of that those broadheads going in the trash. And you decide, do you want to hear Don debate somebody who wants to step up and debate him on mechanical broadheads or not? If our listeners don't want to listen to that and they want to move on to the next topic, we'll keep moving on to the next topic. If you all want to dive into, and and I'll moderate it because we'll go into different specific shots and what you and the other person think is the, the advantage of which head. And, and we'll truly debate this in an organized manner. If if our listeners want to hear it, we'll do a poll this week, and you guys decide. Uh, that'll give us some content that maybe we can use, uh, say, like in February when, when things are a little bit slower. How about that? That's a great idea, and, and if someone is up for coming on to debate, I just want to assure you that uh, whoever it is will be treated with the utmost respect, and it's not like we're going to belittle anyone on here. Um, you, you know... Uh, as Christians, we're going to treat everyone the way we want to be treated. So don't think that we're going to bring somebody on and rake them over the coals and go back and edit the, I'll the keep, audio. I'll keep and, it honest. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> it won't It won't For turn sure. emotional. We're, we're here to help people. So as our listeners, all of you all listening, you guys get to make the decision on this because, you know, if, if the majority of our listeners wants to move on and let's talk about different habitat stuff, great. If you guys want to dive into this really deep and truly understand it, 
Um, we'll do this poll. You all make the call. We'll go with majority wins on this one. So uh, watch Don Higgins, or excuse me, what's the name of your, your Instagram is? Uh, at Higgins, Higgins Outdoors. Higgins Outdoors on Instagram. Uh, I'll probably have to show Don how to do the poll, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, maybe maybe I'll run it on mine and, and yours, and then we'll tally the two, but the post will be the same. No, let's just do it on one. That way people can't vote twice. It'll just be on Higgins Outdoors. So um, this is kind of a last-minute idea we're throwing out there. But we want we want to do what, what you guys want to do and how we can help you learn. So um, – um, speak before, before we move on, uh, we're going to bounce around quite a bit tonight, but, um, give everybody a quick update on master classes because, um, the amount of deposits and, and RSVPs for this has gone crazy the last week. Yeah. The, uh, so there's three master courses that are March 13th, 20th and 27th. Uh, the March 13th class is full. Um, the March, uh, 20th class is probably three quarters full and the, the uh, 27th class is about half full. There's a limit of 20 students on each one. Uh, if everybody is going to mail a check that, uh, said they are, there's, there's going to be very few openings. So, uh, if any of the listeners, you know, were planning on attending that, those courses, I just want them to know that uh, they need to get a check in a deposit to hold their spot, uh, here pretty quick. And the film school that we just, uh, you know, we had Steve Shields on a couple episodes ago and talked about the film school. Uh, we have already got students in both those classes. We got a May class and an August class and already got people that have uh, sent in deposits to attend both of those. So I expect those to be full as well. And let me add something on that. Um, this isn't just for guys who want to start getting into filming their own hunts. This is going to apply to any photography, any video um, if you want to be a social influencer, as they say, and learn how to create the content that sets you apart from somebody different, this is the class. So as I review, um, I can't even tell you how many applications I've received for real world pro staff, uh, since the new website uploaded, it's all an automated system. Now I'm, I, I I can't tell you how many. The first thing I do is go to their social media pages and look at their content to see what sets them apart because companies only have so much to invest in this. So um, I just want everyone to realize that um, you know this class is more than just people who want to do production. Um, uh, so... Uh, go check it out. If you want to be one of the social influencers, please um, reach out to Don or Steve. Um, it'll be a great class. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to see a sample of Steve's work, just uh, watch the mail video that he produced. And uh, he's top notch. He's produced uh, hunting shows for several different people in the hunting industry. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. Well, let's, let's switch gears right now to um, – I won't lie. I'm, I'm, I might sound a little flustered and my blood pressure just went off because as you, we were sitting here talking, I pulled up, I got an alert on my cell cam and the stupid cows are in my food plot again. I wish I would have gone muzzleloader hunting tonight cause it was there during daylight hours. I shouldn't say that on the air, but, um, all the cows have been sold except for two and both of them are sitting in the food plot right now. So, 
I'll have I'll have a couple phone calls to make after we're done. But let's talk a little bit about um, hunting season right now. I am I am more discouraged right now um, about the time of year than I have been. I haven't had a daylight picture of a buck in two states on I don't know how many cameras uh, in about 10 days. And uh, I'm hoping that with the temperature dropping rapidly the next couple nights that it gets those deer on their feet. I, I right now do not have a buck that I've gotten a picture of within the last 10 days that I'm willing to shoot. Well, for, for those folks that are still hunting, the best thing that could happen for, for you guys right now is a brutal cold front to come through with a bunch of snow. If we'd have one of those winter storms come through and, you know, dump a few inches of snow and temperatures get down to single digits at night or even lower and uh, stay below freezing during the day, that would do wonders for the deer movement. Um, you know, for me, I, I filled both of my buck tags in Illinois. So I've been traveling around, uh, doing these consulting visits, uh, was in Kentucky for about five days this past week. And, uh, we'll be in, uh, I've got one here local tomorrow morning and then, uh, Indiana the next day Then I'm headed West to Kansas. So, uh, I'm making the rounds. Spent some time in your home state uh, this week, Terry. Yeah, you got to meet a bunch of friendly people in the state of Kentucky. How about that? You know what? I, I did tell Terry that I met some of the greatest people that week. Uh, uh, there was a, a young couple right live right on the Ohio River. They was actually on the Ohio side. It was the only one I did in Ohio. But uh, 27 years old, this young couple has a property that uh, – you know, they, they want to set up for deer hunting so they can uh, share it with other people, you know, uh, handicapped people, kids that don't have other hunting opportunities and just a great uh, couple that, uh, you know, really uh, raised my spirits, if you will, because uh, you, you don't see a, a lot of people their age with their priorities in, in the right order. And this young couple certainly did. Um, I met a, uh, a gentleman that was an immigrant from Brazil actually came to the United States uh, in his early 20s, could not speak a lick of English, um, met an American girl, um, went to school, uh, got a degree, um, started a company in the Silicon Valley back in the 90s. Uh, the gentleman's almost 50 years old today, but uh, listen to his story. Um, it, it was just the epitome of the American dream, rags to riches, if you will. Uh, left his entire family behind in Brazil, came here, um, met this young lady. They're still married to this day, have two kids, very successful, both him and his wife. Um, it was just a joy to spend the day with him, you know, listen to the, his stories. And I, I told the guy he needs to get into politics because uh, he's got charisma, um, good-looking guy, uh, but he's got the story. More than anything, he's got the story you know, rags to riches. And he was just telling me how great the United States is and that what he was able to do, he could do nowhere else on earth. Um, so just, and then all the other people I met, you know, every story is different, but, but these people are just so fantastic and, uh, you know, they just treat me so well. And I just, you know, I wouldn't trade what I do for anything. Yeah. And uh, people asked if we were together. Um, I did see you in passing uh, one day. We uh, we we met. Uh, you were you were most of the time over in Eastern Kentucky, 
and then your last days you worked your way home um you know you went over down i think south of uh louisville so i did get to see you for maybe five minutes um and i think you even jaunted across the river up into ohio um to do one job did you happen to get over to your uh to your farm that you have in ohio no you know i wasn't that far from it uh um i think we've talked about it on the podcast before that i own a, about 155 acre property there in pike county ohio and i i did not get there terry actually uh I, i'm going to end up trying to sell that property because uh in the two seasons that i've owned that place i've only got over there to hunt i think two different days so two days and two seasons it's just I, i'm so busy and it's so far away from home and the other thing is I'd like to build a new home here. Um, my wife's been waiting on me to build a new home for 30-some years. and um, I think uh, she's earned it by now. She's been very patient with me and um, allowed me to chase my dreams. And I think I'm going to sell that Ohio property and uh, and build a house. So, But you already you have that completely basically turnkeyed to hunt, though. You also put a, put a lot of work in that thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, within a week after... I own it with a, a partner who he also lives out of state. He lives in West Virginia. And we came in and within a week of, of closing on the property a couple of summers ago, um, brought in heavy equipment, dozers and such. And uh, we cleared 14 acres, one big T-shaped food plot that uh, I laid out, um, 14 acre food plot. And then we, we brought in some uh, 360 hunting blinds and set them up. Uh, we got three big redneck feeders. Um, it's in an area that's pretty heavily wooded and, and not much ag. And the whole, you know, approach I took to that property is, is I want to have food there for these deer 365 days a year, right in the heart of this property. And that 14 acre food plot with three big feeders around it has certainly done that. Um, also got a couple of, of ladder stands in place. So, you know, a, a person could buy that and go hunt it today. Uh, there, there's no scouting. There's no, you know, deciding where your stands are going to be. I mean, you could climb up in a 360 blind today and be overlooking 14 acres of real-world soybeans. And, you know, I, I gave uh, Steve Shields, it's, it's about an hour from his house, so it, it's kind of in his neighborhood, and I gave him permission to, to go hunt it. And he's been there, I don't know, just a few times, handful of times. But the other day, he went, you know, and the weather was uh, – kind of cold and he told me there was about 30 deer in that food plot and there's some nice bucks there too i mean that that place is going to produce some good bucks but uh it's just you know it's a six seven hour drive from my house i just don't have time to put into it yeah that's that's why i don't hunt any farther away than what i do it's the way we hunt and we watch that weather so close uh that's the low-hanging fruit with me coming to illinois is i can be at one of the farms that i hunt in three hours from my house so i mean i've i've gone up and back and hunted there before so um if somebody is uh wants to learn more about that i know you're getting a ton of messages so tell them tell them what they need to do if they'd be interested in talking more with you about that property um yeah if if you are interested just go to uh, my website higginsoutdoors.com and, and my email address is on there just send me an email and i'd be glad to send the details but uh, maybe uh maybe word. put the first couple words of the email is ohio property or something that way it jumps out at him as he's skimming through all of his messages so um yep. with that um 
We'll talk a little bit later. I know people, uh, I got a couple good uh, feedback. They're excited to hear about your Christmas ideas. And we'll talk about the uh, giveaways at the end. But let's uh, break out to the buyafarm.com property of the week. Buyafarm.com is your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. Now, here is Don Higgins with this week's featured property. All right, this week's featured property is 122 acres in Pope County, Illinois. It's near the town of Golconda. Um, of this 122 acres, approximately 77 acres of this is in cropland. Um, it's a very, uh, the, it's not like it's all a wooded area and then a big crop field. Uh, the wooded area is kind of interspersed within the crop fields and it looks like it's just got a world of potential for someone to set it up. It's, it's almost a blank canvas where, you know, a, a landowner could go in and sign up uh, for the CRP program and, and get some good income and, and turn this into a great hunting property. Uh, there's already three ponds on the property. Um, it's got excellent road frontage along one side, um, but the mineral rights are included. There's even a fence around the property, I guess. Uh, but if you go to the buyafarm.com uh, website and look for 122 acres in Pope County, Illinois, um, it's one that seems to be priced right. And uh, with the income, I mean, 77 acres of this is going to produce some income, whether through CRP or if you go ahead and farm it or whatever. But if you're interested, uh, give Wayne Keller a call. Uh, Wayne's number is 618. 618- Four zero seven one six seven nine, and I'm sure Wayne would be happy to show it to you. All right. So I won't lie; I was pretty disengaged during that segment because I was texting my attorney um, <laughs> <laughs> about the cows being out. So, uh, but I, I do know that Wayne uh, has this property, and um, but um, I know their business is really, really good right now. I know that uh, people are looking for properties. Um, but the thing, the thing that Biofarm does a great job of is on their, on their website, giving detailed descriptions of all of these different properties that you're looking at. And even if you're not looking at one necessarily for all hunting, uh, make sure you go check out their website or their Facebook page. They do a good job with it. So I think Wayne Keller has this property. So if you're interested, reach out or go to their website. So I'm back yep. dialed in down, Don, I apologize about that, but my blood pressure's up just a little bit right now. So I'm, well, I'm, it's probably a good thing we're recording this podcast or you'd be running out the door with a rifle. Uh, I cannot confirm or deny that because <laughs> then I would have uh, potentially about 100,000 listeners that might uh, that might be getting a deposition. So I'm, I'm not happy. So only, only in this country can you break the law, damage someone else's property, and be the victim. Claim you're the victim. So I'll leave it at that, but we'll get, we'll, we'll get it straightened out. So uh, we better move on to submitted questions. Yeah, you got time to calm down. That's all right. We'll be all right. So what's our first one tonight? Uh, the first one comes from Tyler Steenbuck from Pella, Wisconsin. Tyler says, Hey Don, love the podcast and congrats on Mel. What an awesome story. My father owns a 70 acre thick cedar swamp that is surrounded by ag fields. I have always been reluctant to hunt anything but the edges of the swamp and fear of pushing deer out. Do you have any advice for hunters who own swampland not connected to a hardwoods? 
or have you had any success hunting swampland? Thank you for your time and keep up the podcast. It helps anyone who listens. God bless. P.S. I recently threw out my mechanical broadheads. <laughs> Folks, I did not make that up. I promise you I did not make that up. He did say that. <laughs> Tyler, um, thank you, especially for that last sentence. Um, so talking, I, I don't have any experience hunting swamps, Tyler, just to be totally honest, but a swamp is covered no more, no different really than a thicket. I mean, it's a different kind of cover, but, uh, you know, whether you're talking about a swamp or, or a thicket or whatever, a CRP field, when you go stomping out into the middle of it, you're, you're putting pressure on the deer that live there. And that's the worst thing you can do. You're doing things right by staying on the edges. Um, if, if there's deer in there, they're going to work those edges. Deer are edge creatures anyway. So, uh, you know, my advice to you is you're doing everything right. Just make sure that uh, you're playing the wind. And, uh, you know, as long as those deer are in that swamp and you're between them and their food, you've got a chance. It's just a matter of uh, playing your cards right and uh, picking and choosing when you hunt based on weather fronts and wind direction. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of a lot of guys that have to hunt swamp in Michigan in Wisconsin, I know the guys down in like Mississippi and Louisiana uh, have to hunt a lot of swamp, um, you know. But I think I think the thing that I take for granted sometimes, and I know you do because Steve's always telling you to, you know, expand on comments that you make that we take for granted. One of the things that I think really clicks when people see your master class is how you've created and manipulated the cover and the location of the food so that you can access the edges that Tyler is talking about uh, from w- different wind directions. And that's mm-hmm. what makes that that's what makes some properties just the graceland of deer hunting properties. It doesn't mean others can't be good. Um, I think my farm right now with a cow in the food plot is a good farm, but I can't hunt it with two different wind directions. I just have to stay back. Your your farm that you've created and worked 30-some years for, the unbelievable thing about that, how you've set that up, is that you can, you can hunt that with any wind direction based on how you have access and can, and can go around. But that came from you manipulating the cover and the food and, and having spots to get in between them. So I think right. Tyler's on the right spot. It's just what makes what makes a, a a good property an unbelievable property is how many of those spots you can hunt that you can get to from the different directions with the wind. Right. And if if you if you do that and approach it and leave that core, you'll hold deer. Yep. So. All right. Well, we appreciate your question, Tyler. Um get you a t-shirt as soon as we have them back in stock we're out of several sizes but uh so anybody that hasn't got their t-shirt yet uh, don't give up on us so they're coming are you, uh, i got a question be here this week i got a question um i had two people ask me are you are can you actually buy them yeah the, the t-shirts are for sale on my website okay so, so when they come back in stock you can do that yep okay i meant to ask you that all right Okay. What's our next uh, question? Ne- next one's from Jared Miller from Falmouth, Kentucky. Hey, down your way. That's close to me again. We had one from last week close to me. Yeah, we did. 
must be all your buddies writing I don't questions know, about cows. I don't, this, is, this isn't a cow question. I, I don't know Jared, but hopefully I'll get to meet him sometime. Yeah. Maybe he works at the local slaughterhouse and you can take <laughs> him some beef. <laughs> uh, Jared says, Don, I have a two-part question. On a recent podcast, Terry mentioned a cedar thicket being great thermal cover. Mm. Can you elaborate on this? You want to elaborate on that, Terry? Sure. You want to finish the question or you want me to stop there? Um, I guess I'd go ahead and read the rest of it. Okay. In my area, cedar thicket is usually so thick there is no sunlight getting to the ground. From what I can see, there is no reason for the deer to use these areas. As I crouch, as I crouch down, I can see several yards under the cedars. Can you explain what good thermal cover is? Also, I've seen people clear a cedar thicket, then use prescribed fire to burn the area. Do you use fire to enhance native growth? Thanks, Jared. I'll let you take that one, Terry. Yeah, that's right up. That's more in your neighborhood than it is mine. Yeah. Um, cedars in our area um, and my ground lays probably very similar to Jared's. If Jared's is probably even more hilly than I am if he's over in Falmouth. Um, but usually what happens is old cattle pastures or just old wood lots grow up with cedars really bad here and we're really hilly. And the tops of the ridges historically were farmed for tobacco. And then um, around the perimeter of the tobacco field, people would graze cattle. And uh, as that grew up, the cedars grow faster than the hardwoods. So these cedars, you know, will overtake everything. Um, For my property, those cedars are on a hillside on the opposite side of the predominant wind. So as that wind comes from southwest, west, um, and even northwest, those, those cedars are on the opposite side of that hill. And those deer on my property absolutely go in there, and it's some of the best cover I have. Um, I guess from a scientific standpoint, is that really considered thermal as related to maybe switchgrass? You might have to answer that because I might have used the wrong terminology on what thermal is. But the way the wind blows on my farm, I have left cedars on the side of the hill where the wind basically blows up and they'll get in up underneath of those cedars in bed. Um, And uh, I've had really good luck with it. But at the same time, um, cedars will overtake your property like nobody's business if you don't, um, um, if you don't keep them in check. I actually had a buddy of mine bring in a big machine this year um, on one of the sections and uh, um, we, uh, we cut everything down and with one of those big uh, mulching heads um, and bush hogs to, to get everything cleaned off because I don't want it overtaking the farm. So I do not burn here in Kentucky because I'm not confident on the sides of these hills. I could control a, a burn, um, like you, we can up when we burn your switchgrass. So, um, because of how that wind blows on the side of these big hills, um, I would be really, really worried about catching the whole woods on fire by the way my ground lays. So I do not do a prescribed burn here, um, but I have taken in equipment and chewed up uh, thickets in areas that I don't want it. Um, I'm in a process right now of moving some of the bedding area on my property, so I'm letting some grow up in a different spot 
away from uh, pressure where I can hunt them better than uh, where it was in the in the past. So uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if that I don't know if I answered Jared's question, and you can elaborate on whether what I talked about would technically be considered thermal cover or just cover. Well, thermal cover is cover that offers deer protection from the elements, the weather. It's where they can, you know, get out of the wind, and, and it, it's warmer for them, you know, in the wintertime. Uh, one thing about cedars that's kind of interesting is that they give off heat. And if you've got a trail camera and it's facing a cedar tree on a warm, on a sunny day, and the wind is blowing that cedar tree, it'll set off your trail camera because it's heat in motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of interesting thing about cedars. But uh, as far as prescribed uh, burns and such, they've got their place for sure. Um, you know, as Terry mentioned, I do it with my native grass fields. And, you know, what the, the purpose of the burn is it uh, removes undesirable plants and stimulates desirable plants. So in a native grass field, it'll stimulate those grasses while burning up the weeds and weed seed and, you know, kind of controlling that. Um, There's a lot of, in a lot of areas, um, they'll use a prescribed burn in a wooded area and, uh, you know, it'll burn up some undesirable tree saplings that are small while stimulating other tree species, such as some oaks. So uh, you know, I'm not an expert on prescribed burns by any means, but I do know they have their place in habitat management. I prefer that people know what they're doing a little bit before they just wing it. Right. Having, having good fire breaks in and that kind of stuff, you can get yourself in trouble really quick uh, not knowing what you're doing um, as part of a prescribed burn. So. Hey, Jared, shoot, uh, shoot me a message if I didn't answer. And if, if worse comes to worse and you're around, uh, maybe this winter I can show you what I'm talking about on my farm. But um, I like cedars on the backside of predominant winds. Um, I hold a lot of deer on my property that way. So hope that helps. Yep. Thanks for your question, Jared. Um, T-shirt coming your way as well. So uh, the last question we have on this episode is from Hayden Beagle from Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. Hayden says, hello, Don. Would first like to congratulate you on your success in the outdoors and everything else. I have listened to all YouTube videos and podcasts and I've learned a lot. I'm a married 26-year-old entrepreneur looking to make a land purchase in the near future. If you could do it all over again and start with a clean slate, where would you start? Would you purchase one big farm? purchase multiple smaller farms, what state would you go to? Uh, secondly, would you once you get that farm, what would be the first things you would do? Put it into CRP programs, clear cut and plant valuable trees to harvest in 30 years, leave all options on the table. Remember, I'm young and want to leverage myself long-term for the, for the optimal outcome. Lastly, I urge you to keep up the good work and continue to be a man of faith. In today's era, people are afraid about being politically correct. Keep speaking from the heart. Well, Hayden, I can tell you on that last part, uh, you're never going to have to worry about me being politically correct. <laughs> Just ask anybody that knows me. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to be too worried about offending others either. <laughs> so, so hang with us. Uh, we won't disappoint you there. Um, let me go back here. Uh 
And we can tell you're not a salesman because you didn't stop right in the middle of this and say, hey, I got a property for sale in Ohio. There you go. <laughs> a, salesman, a salesman would have stopped right there and tried to close the deal. But um, yep. But I know that's not you. Uh, says if, if I could do it over again and start with a clean slate, where would you start? Would you purchase one big farm, purchase multiple smaller farms? What state would you go to? Well, let's start with the state. You know, as we explained earlier in this podcast, I own a property out of state in Ohio. I also own a property here in Illinois where I live. I can tell you that I would not buy a property out of state to start with. I would start close to home. Um, just my personal advice, you're going to get a lot more use out of a property the closer it is to your home. So I would start close to home. Um, purchase one big farm or multiple smaller farms. That, that depends on your goal. I mean, if your goal is to kill big bucks, it's not the size of the farm, but it's how the farm lays out and what's around it that you want to be looking for. Um, you know, if I, I've said before, if I had the, the finances to purchase a, a 400 acres, instead of buying one 400 acre farm, I'd go out and buy five eighties or something like that. Five different 80 acre tracks. As long as those 80 acre tracks laid out good. And the reason I say that is because I believe with the right 80 in a particular neighborhood, I can have the biggest bucks in the neighborhood staying on my 80 acres. And if they're staying on 80 versus 400, they're a whole lot easier to kill. Every time you get in your stand, you're going to be a lot closer to them than if they're scattered over 400. So I like the idea of having multiple smaller farms. However, there's advantages to big farms. And again, it comes down to, to your goals. Are you wanting to produce income for the future? You're a young guy. Um, you know, and, and you're talking about the, one of the suggestions you made was um, planting valuable trees to harvest in 30 years. I'll tell you what, if I was in my 20s like you are, I would be planting a grove of walnut trees and uh, just for harvest for your uh, retirement income. I wish I would have done that when I was in my 20s. Um, but, you know, with, with walnut trees, you're looking at about 50 years from planting to harvest. So, you know, at 26 years old, you had 50 years of that, you're going to be 76. You don't want to waste any time. You need to be doing it right away if you're going to do it. Um, but, but that's a very long-term commitment. You know, there's no income whatsoever um, for all those years, although you can, uh, you can do things like hunt on it and enjoy the property, but you're not going to have any income, but your, your income's all going to come at the end. Um, so I don't know. What I would do would depend on your goals. If it's simply deer hunting, that's going to be a whole lot different than if, if you want income, if you want to raise your family there or, uh, you know, live off the land, so to speak, by, by raising, uh, you know, the meat you're going to eat through livestock or, or whatever. So, it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't want to dodge your, your question, Hayden, but it's really, you know, kind of hard to say when I don't know what your goals are. The, um, you're at a different point too in your hunting career. And, and tell me if I'm speaking out of turn here. The caliber of bucks that you're going after and looking for every year also, uh, comes into play a little bit with what you said about having multiple tracks to have one property uh, produce 
world-class whitetail every single year is pretty tough. They're so rare. So having multiple properties spread out, usually if they're the right properties in the right area, you usually got a target buck somewhere that you're chasing or a couple, right? If, yep. if you're talking about one property, there'll be there'll be years where there's not going to be something to shoot, which we've already talked about on this podcast will probably be your spot, your home farm next year. Um, mm-hmm. We really don't know that there's going to be um, at least anything we know about yet, uh, anything there. So um, to further elaborate a little bit on what your goals are, I think it, it depends a, a lot on, um, on uh, you know, what what's the point in your career you at? Are you looking for 190 and 200-inch deer every single year? That's going to be tough to do on a single property. Um, you've been managing your home farm for 30 years, and you don't have that every year. And never will. Yeah. So. But can you can you uh, buy a three four hundred acre and and manage it if it's in the right spot to have five five year old plus mature bucks to hunt every year? I do think you can do that. Oh yeah, for um, sure. The other thing I would say is to take into consideration, you know, uh, you you mentioned it very briefly, but speaking as an out of state hunter only three to four hours away it is extremely hard for me to manage and do habitat on those properties even three hours away right so having them at home where you can run over and work for a couple hours after work um it's it's night and day difference i mean there's so much stuff that i want to do in illinois on the farms that i hunt and i i just it's so hard to work the time in and then um also look is like um I know one of the things of why we go to Illinois, which drives Don nuts with the local DNRs there, is how many buck tags you get. You know, if you're if you're looking at purchasing a piece of property in Ohio, Indiana, or Kentucky versus Illinois, and I don't know what the game laws are in Wisconsin, you know, you, you pay that farm payment, you do all that habitat work, and in Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky, you're allowed one buck. So, you, you know, it's uh, you have one opportunity and then you're done once you shoot something. The nice thing about the the states that manage a little bit different, good or bad, and in Don's case, he's going to say it's bad because he doesn't want out-of-staters to get two bucks. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just the facts. Um, part of the financial decision you have to make is, you know, Iowa, I think you have to be in Iowa. I think you have to be a resident of Ohio, or excuse me, Iowa. I don't think you can just own property there and get, get the amount of deer i think they might be right. residents there might be even be able to kill three if i'm not mistaken i might be mistaken i think they can that. uh especially if they're a landowner i think right. one of them might be have to be a landowner tag or something but so it just yeah. like, the reason me me saying that is it all just depends on your goals what do you want out of it so, right good That's question what it really boils down to yep so we appreciate uh, your question hayden and uh you'll be getting a t-shirt as well so uh that wraps up the listener submitted questions this week, Terry. Where do we go from here? Well, there's one thing that we didn't, we kind of forgot to talk about, and that is the series this month on how to make a good spot better. And um, I, I kind of saved it for the end because it doesn't take a really long explanation on this. But I want you to go into. One of the things that you've taught me a long time ago is uh, when you do your habitat projects and, if possible, when you hang your stands. And that is in 
January, February after the season's over. That's when we try to trim our shooting lanes back as much as we can. And uh, I want we've talked about it a little bit, um, but when we're talking about hanging stands a year in advance, how can we protect our tree stand from not having rotting straps and rusted cables? Well, on my stands, I, I replace all the straps with chains. Uh, in fact, I just buy the chain in bulk, and uh, I'll bolt it onto the stand and uh, wrap that chain around the tree, and there's there's no strap. I, my life is never dependent on a strap. Um, I use a chain. Sometimes I'll use a chain and a strap. I'll use the chain basically to hold the stand in place, and then a, uh, a ratchet strap or a strap to uh, tighten that platform against the tree. But uh, that strap is not holding the what my weight. Um, use a chain for that. But and I've you know, even, it's really important. I've even seen you replace the cables down to the platform with with yep. a chain. Yeah, that cable that goes uh, down to the platform is is probably the first thing to give away on a stand that's left out in the weather. Um, the moisture get in around that cable clamp and uh, rust away that cable over time. So I'll, I'll take those cables off and replace those with a, a lighter chain and uh you just take away that risk of, of the stand giving away but so i don't you know, want to yeah i'm sorry go ahead i was just going to say getting those stands ready um in the winter months right after season closes and before spring green up um that that can take and, and make a good stand a great stand because you're not slipping in there right before you're going to hunt you know trim and shoot lanes and things like that you get it all done you can go in with a chainsaw, fire up that gas chainsaw, cut down trees, you know, a foot in diameter, get them out of your way, whatever you need to do, get her done and then get out. And by the time fall rolls around, uh, the deer forgot you was ever there. So, um, you know, I don't want to diminish. We're, we're still going to do this every week through December, but this one I just knew wouldn't take. And one of the things I would really like, you know, uh, I've talked to Steve Shields about in one of the videos that Don's going to put on his YouTube channel is actually show this process because I think a lot of people have curiosity about how to put these things in a chain or, you know, put a chain up around uh, the back of a tree stand. You got to, I know with the case of our lone wolves, um, we have to bore out a little bitty hole on the aluminum extrusion riser um, and to get a bolt through it. Um, you know, he's taking that, that chain around a fork in a tree. If there's no fork in a tree, sometimes I've seen you actually, um, uh, screw a lag bolt in the back and, and take the chain over the top of the lag bolt, um, just so that there's that support there if, with that tree being, or that tree stand being in the tree. And I know that our listeners, you know, laugh because Lone Wolf is a partner of ours and Don and I, we, we have hung stands uh, during season. So, I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. we've never done it. I mean, you always have to adapt. And, you know, we've, we've hung, hung stands uh, just before season uh, before. But if we can have that done and that, that, uh, that spot completely, um, you know, blocked off and nothing's been in there boogering those deer, we're going to do that every time. The thing I do like about the Lone Wolf tree stands is it's that cast aluminum components that you don't have to worry about those welds breaking on that really cheap uh, steel of, of, of tree stands. So 
most people are buying the the lone wolf tree stands because they're kind of uh, more run and gun or, or taking a stand in, you know, each time they hunt and, and trying to be stealthy. Uh, we're a little bit different when it comes to that, but the design and the and the quality and the materials uh, when you look at a cast aluminum frame is a whole lot more beneficial to how we're doing it also. Yep. So how to, make, sure. how to make a good spot better, get your habitat and get your stands hung as soon as that season is over. But at the same time, you have to take your precautions to make sure that it's safe for a year later. Yep. So speaking of that, we told everybody and, and some I got a lot of comments about it that uh, last minute Christmas ideas from Don Higgins. I, I'm actually excited to hear this because I honestly have no idea what you're going to come up with. <laughs> Did you have a list too? Yeah, I got one, but we'll, we'll, I'm, I don't care about mine. But well, I'm I'm curious to listen to yours here. Are we going to go? How many do you have? You got four or five? Uh, I got one, two, three, four, five. All right, we're gonna trade them off, or you just want to go? Um, trade them off. All right, you go first. We were just talking about lone wolf tree stands, and on my Christmas list, lone wolf assault with a set of sticks. Um, I like to have those around. Yeah, you never know when you're going to run into a situation during the season where you need to throw a stand up quick and quiet. Uh, maybe you're hunting public ground, whatever. Nothing beats that lone wolf stand and sticks. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit. Uh, um, that would be one of the higher uh, gift price gift ideas. We're gonna have a couple different ones, um, mm-hmm. and that that might even come in handy because you're you're gonna I think focus a little bit on some more public next year that we've talked about before. So, yep. Um, uh, go ahead and go ahead and go through your second your list. We'll see what kind of time we um, got. I want to I get through yours. Okay. Um, the uh, next item on my list would be ammo. Um, oh, that's a great idea. Me. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, and um, there's a good chance we may need her, folks. So I so, got 223 ammo and 9mm ammo, two very common uh, calibers, and you can never have enough of it. Uh, next thing on my list would be an Onyx subscription. Onyx Hunt is an app uh, that I've got on my phone. It comes in handy, especially on these consulting uh, jobs when I'm out of state. It's got the uh, property lines drawn in. It's got uh, the landowner's name and contact info. If you're looking for hunting permission, um, that Onyx uh, uh, subscription uh, comes in handy. Um, after that, uh, steel battery operated pruning saw <laughs> my good friend terry bought me one of those um a few months ago and, and gave it to me as a gift and i really appreciate it and i got a chance to use it here not long ago um, doing a little pruning work and let me tell you that thing is handy it's got it's got a little chainsaw chain on it and uh, the battery is so small i couldn't believe that battery would would cut anything and um but I'm telling you what, I, I mean, I used it for quite a bit, and it was it was still had plenty of power. I'm not sure how long it would run on that battery, but uh, that little steel battery printing cell 
it would be a great gift. Yeah, they make them. Uh, they make them now. I think if you're a Dewalt or a Milwaukee cordless drill guy, I think they both of those companies now have them too. So they're small and they're a little bit bigger. But I think uh, you could like if you had them in, you could put them in your backpack for when you went in and did habitat work and stuff. But they, um, I bought, I, I got you one, and there was a shortage of them for a while. And uh, my local steel dealer got four of them in, and I bought all four. I gave both of my na- both my neighbors uh, uh, wanted one, so we 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 cleaned the shelf with the, when they got in stock. Yeah, that was a great gift. I really appreciate it, Terry. Thank You're you. Welcome. One last one last uh, right. gift on my list. Anybody want to guess what it is, Terry? What do you think? I know it's not mechanical broadheads. I don't know what it's, it's going to be. No, nope. it's broadheads. <laughs> if, if you've got someone on your Christmas list that shoots mechanical broadheads, get them some real broadheads so they can throw them things away. <laughs> and that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Well, uh, I actually had uh, a couple similar to what you had. I had a uh, battery-operated pruning or pole saw. Um, some of those pole saws that run off the, the batteries are pretty handy. I had that on there. Some of the, some of the simpler stuff that I think is, is handy is a, uh, surgical, uh, hunting knife, um, like a Havilon or something that uses a surgical knife. If you're, uh, I use them for skinning even, but you can replace the blades on them. And uh, they're really, really good for extracting those two front teeth if you're aging your deer before you take it to the taxidermist. And then one little thing that I, I, I actually first saw this from you, Don, and you don't even know this. Like 16 years ago, uh, me and Patrick and Brian came up to your place, and I don't know what we were doing. And you had your little ammo, or excuse me, camo tote on the front rack of your four-wheeler and you had like a piece of indoor outdoor carpet that you would take out when you changed and put your camo on out in front yep. of it you, i bet you're surprised they even remember this i do because well, i don't do that anymore i used to yeah so this i remembered that this year when i got hurt it was really really hard you know when i would drive to the farm or i would go out of state it was really difficult for me to get in and out of shoes um and boots um at the back of the truck and uh i remembered you having that carpet and i went to uh i went to the um home depot and got one of those little rubber welcome mats that's got the little ledges on it and i keep that i keep that in the back of my truck and i wear slip-on muck shoes now and i'm telling you even though i'm not hurt anymore that was a game changer for me. So if you're looking for a, 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 a cheap gift, some type of welcome mat or boot mat that you would put inside of your, uh, inside of your uh, house to not track in is perfect for putting in the back of your truck and changing and not getting your socks and shoes and everything all muddy and, uh, and being able to stay somewhat clean while, you're, while you slip your shoes off when you go hunting. So... But yeah, I remember that from years and years and years ago. I did that for a long time. I don't know why I ever stopped. So, but yeah, that's a that's a cheap present that you can get somebody or ask for. Um, and then some. We tried to give some different examples of of smaller things and bigger things. So hope that helps. But 
we yep. know, we know that Don does not want packages of mechanical broadheads shipped to his house. Um, but uh, <laughs> in all go right to the trash. Yeah. In all seriousness, though, I'm 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 really can I'm really excited to hear what our listeners want to hear. If they want to hear this debate that we talked about, uh, we'll try to provide that kind of content. If not, then we'll move on and try to keep helping you in other ways. Um, but you can rest assured that this podcast is is going to do its best to serve the hunting community, not the hunting industry. Um, the products that we talk about are what we represent or what we really believe in. But we do appreciate those companies who do help us uh, provide this platform for you. So the for last sure. the last thing on the agenda tonight is to talk about the giveaway. And um, I've failed you. Um, part of my job with this uh this podcast is to kind of tee up different topics and we have not explained very well in a couple episodes how you're choosing the winner of this giveaway so can you walk everybody through that to where they know what you have to do in order to be entered into a free uh, attendance pass to a master class yeah and it's, it's going to be too late after tonight but uh, we selected the winners um they, they had to like the Higgins Outdoors Facebook page, and they had to subscribe to the Chasing Giants YouTube uh, channel. So when they done both of those, um, they were qualified for um, this drawing for free attendance at each of the master classes. And the previous two episodes, we drew uh, for each of the first two classes, and we're going to announce the winner now for the March 27th class. Okay. And that winner is Joel Trovillian from Grantsburg, Illinois. I hope I said your last name right, Joel. But Joel, T-R-O-V-I-L-L-I-O-N from Grantsburg, Illinois. All right, fantastic. Um, yep, you're, I'll be sending you a message through social media and letting you know that you're the winner and can attend that March 27th class for free. Yeah, one of the things that Don and I have had to learn through this uh, venture is um, the the easy way to do contests. <laughs> and uh, I, I think from now on, we'll probably do a different uh, way to enter. That way it's easier for you guys and it's easier for us to track. But like I said, sometimes we just have to admit that Don and I are learning as we go. Um the uh i got a lot of feedback from uh i'm gonna have to do some type of poll or something because it split about 50 50 when i said we were going to destroy the bottom two cell cameras in the test that i'm aggravated with half the people want to see it shot with at 500 yards with a muzzleloader and half of them want to see it a mechanical broadhead bounce off the face of it and i'm intrigued to both so we might have to do one of each so we'll, we'll have to see how that goes so Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, they're going to wrap this up on episode 42. Do you have anything else to talk about? We want to we want to make sure the people who haven't uh, tagged out keep their chin up. I know I got a Kentucky tag that I still have, and then I'm going to be coming back up to bow hunt in Illinois. So it's just a it's just a waiting game to get the right weather to get over that food, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Be watching the weather, and uh, you see that that winter storm coming. That's what you want to see if you if you're still gonna tag the fill. All right. 
Well, if that's it, then uh, we'll sign off. Again, going back to uh, we're just completely humbled and honored that you guys have supported the show enough that we're uh, a top 20 show, and we hope we keep that rolling and giving you guys content where you're going to want to keep listening. So uh, I really appreciate it as Don takes us out. Thanks a lot. So we want to thank our sponsors, buyafarm.com, 360 Hunting Blinds, Quiet Cat, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Matthews Archery, Vortex Optics, and Real World Wildlife Products. Appreciate your support, everyone. See you next time.